Welcome, everyone. How are we doing today? Thanks for coming back, all the friends of the show. We got to, all of these podcasts are extremely important, but I have an important one for you because, well, they all are. Um, let's just jump to it. I'll share the notes we're going to talk about today. Um, we're going to be talking about the first segment is going to be about the Top Gun, the original movie, not the second one. I think the second one's called Maverick or something. I'm seeing that a couple of days from now. Heard it's been awesome. But first one, original one, and we're talking about vanilla ice cream. And they're going to be talking about the dog anchor review, that dog leash anchor I talked about in the previous episode about using that for some park workouts. And then how to get started with an athlete. <clears throat> and if we have time, I'll touch on the motivated enough to work, but not enough to work smart. But let's start with the pressing issue here. I'm going to see Top Gun Monday. So this coming Monday. And my lovely wife booked the tickets. We're on those lounge seats. Um, you know, one of those bougie movie theaters where you get to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show kind of deal. And we were like, well, let's, let's actually watch the original one going into this because I don't remember the last time I've seen it. I have some weird, vague memories of it. <laughs> and, and we just wanted to watch it, right? Get a plot going into the second one to see, okay, what could the sequel possibly be? And first off, the original Top Gun was trash. I mean, you might not like my take, but it made zero sense. Long story short, it was, I'm just imagining people trying to write out this plot. Essentially, it was a couple of guys who fly, who fly fighter jets. We then go to Top Gun Academy, the school for the, the best fighters. Um, there's a weird love story that's kind of a love story without any character development in it, where they just play, gonna take your on repeat for like 30 minutes. And then... Then they don't fight anyone until the very end, kind of the beginning. And this, the second most action-packed scene is a sand volleyball scene, which does just appears out of nowhere. They're just in an aggressive sand volleyball scene. Where, not to mention Tom Hanks, Maverick, Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise. <laughs> it would have been funny if Tom Hanks was in there. Tom Cruise is playing in jeans profusely sweaty that's by the way the second most action-packed this this tennis this not tennis this volleyball match it ends in a tie because it's game one to one and goose wants to play one more but maverick has running late for his uh dinner date the doo -doo 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 -doo. that song plays 17 to take my breath away and then they play danger zone it's like they had three songs that they were allowed to get and they only could play like for, I don't know if Apple still does this, but you guys might remember this when you had the Apple iTunes and you go on there and you play like the 30 second loop of the song. That's like the only amount of the song they were allowed to play. And they just played this 30 second loops of danger zone. There's like a Top Gun theme song, which I don't know how it really goes. And then the, you take my breath away. Do, 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 that song on repeat. And, Tom Cruise goes off for this date that yields nothing with an astrophysicist who is apparently is a contractor for the Pentagon helping with airplanes. She's not like aeronautics. She's not 
uh, specifics to uh, whatever. She's an astrophysicist that apparently is involved in airplane gunfight strategy. Very odd details there. Not really worked about. She gets a job in Washington at the end about something that we don't really know about. The whole movie was just absolute chaos. The fight scenes, not to mention, made zero sense. It was as if someone were to just film a plane flying by. You had no sense of direction. All of a sudden, someone was on their tail. Someone wasn't on their tail. And, and to top it all off, everyone was sweaty. The entire show, show, movie, were just sweaty people. They were in the plane sweaty. They were out of the plane sweaty. They were playing sand volleyball sweaty. They were not playing sand volleyball sweaty. They're eating dinner. They're sweaty. They're in the aircraft carrier and they're sweaty. The general's always sweaty. It's unbelievable. I, I, it's, it's the sweatiest movie in the history of the world without anyone doing anything. And the song doo -doo 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 -doo, doo -doo -doo, being played every... I, they might have played that song for a total of 15 minutes. Go back and watch it. Go back and watch Top Gun, the original one. And tell me at what point was this movie... Like, I don't know, I don't want to call it exciting, but like it made sense. I watched it. it. It was captivating, I suppose, but it made little to no sense. Um, but I'm excited because I heard the second one got good reviews and I can see how a good Top Gun movie could do well. So I, I, I'm not going to give away any spoilers when I watch it. I'll let you know what I think about it, but I'm excited. It had, the original one has potential. The original one was executed with sheer chaos. It doesn't make much sense. There's a scene in it where they're on the aircraft carrier and there are what, two MiGs out there or something and however many there are and the catapult breaks. So the only utility this aircraft carrier has is to launch F-15s off of it and their catapult breaks after one launch, and it's going to be down for 10 minutes. I, I don't, I'm not an expert in how these things work, but I'd imagine that's not necessarily the case. I don't know, whatever. I don't want to go too rambling on it, but the show itself, plot line, I give it basically a 1.5. It basically wasn't a plot. The plot was airplanes in love. But that's not a plot. There's no A to B. There's no conclusion. It just kind of happened. It was a series of events. The, ac the action was few and far between. They only actually fight one airplane. They fight one, a couple of six MiGs at the end they fight. And then uh, the, the captivation factor was pretty high, I guess. It was kind of cool to see some airplanes fly around. But other than that, <sighs> not much to it, but it's very important. I talk about it here because I'm about to see the second one and I don't want the second one to ruin my opinion on the first one. So I have to record that first and foremost. All right. So number two topic we're talking about today is about vanilla ice cream. So I just went to a food truck fight. Now, far less exciting than it sounds. There is really no competition at all. No, no food trucks went at each other. It was not like a head-to-head -head matchup. It was like a food truck event and you vote for a winner where you get unlimited votes. So I guess you could just stuff the ballot for wherever your favorite food truck is. But I went to a place called Scoop Ice Cream. 
shout out East Village Davenport. Phenomenal place. Big fan. Huge fan. The show is a fan. The Max Schmarzo podcast show project, whatever this is called, is a big fan of Scoop Ice Cream. But let me tell you why. If you go to an ice cream restaurant, it's not an ice cream joint. It's a fine ice cream eatery. You want to make sure that the vanilla is good because the vanilla sets the base. The vanilla is what allows other things to come about. It's not, are there added ingredients good? Is the butterfinger good? And hopefully you're not one of those savages that just orders gummy bears on their ice cream. Oh, it just gets cold. And it's like eating some hard, semi jolly rancher like entity on top of your ice cream and it ruins the experience gets stuck in your teeth you're non at it half the time don't order gummy bears don't order m&ms don't 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 order those toppings those don't go on ice cream you can get sprinkles a little whipped cream some hot fudge all that's okay excellent don't be a person who orders gummy bears on your ice cream i'll tell you that right now not a fan thumbs down so the vanilla sets the base because the vanilla is the playing field from which the other players compete. The song and dance takes place on the vanilla base. So if you get cookies and cream or they have a cookie dough, cookies and cream combination, fabulous, well done. Why? Because the vanilla tells all. The base ice cream is the ice cream you need to hold an ice cream shop to. That's the standard you need to hold it to. It is what you need to judge an ice cream eatery on. It's not on the wide display of toppings and all this frivolous stuff that doesn't need to be on ice cream. The ice cream purists know. The vanilla tells the story. All the other stuff is just bells and whistles. The vanilla is the engine. It's the horsepower. So the vanilla of this place I'm a big fan of. Everyone likes this other stuff. Oh, they have more flavors at this other place. They have more top. You're not, I'm not there to get toppings. If I want toppings, I'll go to High V and I'll buy M&Ms. I can have a whole bag of toppings. I don't go to an ice cream shop to eat toppings. I go there to eat ice cream. And vanilla ice cream tells all. So next time you're with someone, you go to an ice cream shop and they sample a flavor. If they don't sample vanilla, plain vanilla, during that time of sampling, throw their opinion in the trash. Right in the trash it goes. Don't If you go with someone who's going to sample four or five different flavors and none of them are vanilla, why bother? Take their ice cream cone and just throw it on the ground. Their opinion for ice cream is does not matter. They could say this place is the worst, it's the best, the greatest. doesn't matter. An absolute dud of an opinion. You need to try the vanilla. If you want to judge an ice cream place, the base flavor counts. Now, I'm not a chocolate guy, so I suppose the same goes for chocolate. Caveat there. If you're a chocolate fan, you want a chocolate base, try the chocolate. Try the base flavor. So those are my two (laughs) pop culture current events updates. But now we'll get into the strength and conditioning stuff. And so... Talked about my last episode, the dog anchor, the dog leash, the dog leash anchor, I think is what it's actually called. He got this thing for $7.99 at PetSmart. There's a PetSmart. I think it goes about eight inches, 
It might even go foot into the ground, swivel, turn it clockwise. It leaves like an aerator like hole when you pull it out. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. No big deal. Not a big divot. Not something they're going to use in the backyard. And my wife is going to be like, who was digging holes? Is there a mole in the backyard? Do we have a mole that lives back there? Nope. It's probably good for the grass. Now you might actually get praised. Oh, did you pay to get your yard aerated? I might have. Living like that. Or, or maybe it's simply the fact that I just had this swivel screw of a dog leash anchor. And it provide a dual function to aerate my yard and as a great anchor for my bands. And that's what I used it for. I use it to attach bands to. Now I attached red bands to my elite FTS. And honestly, I tried pulling the darn thing out of the ground myself. I couldn't get it to budge. I posted on social media, on TikTok, and people had hoopla. Oh, it's going to snap out of the ground. It's going to go flying. You're going to put it in loose soil. Don't put it in loose soil. Don't put it in sand. Put it somewhere that it anchors. Be smart. Like you are smart when you lift weights, you make sure you put a collar on the bar. You too can be smart and make sure you don't put it in a dumb place. But it was awesome, man. I have had to carry, I carried 45 pound plates out last time I went to the field to do this, wrap the bands around it. I don't like carrying 90 pounds with me. Now I can just carry these little itty bitty anchors, set them up outside, set them up on a hill, use the bands, attach the bands to it. People said you can attach battle ropes to it. Great idea too. Lots of things you could mess with. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so smart. I wish I knew this. I don't know, 15 years ago, I would have been using it. The footprint is minimal. The ideas are endless. Fabulous. Awesome. Wonderful. Um, so I got mine from PetSmart. They're just the dog leash anchors. A plus, 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 plus review so far. It's only been what, a day of using them. But so far, fabulous. Absolutely outstanding. Huge fan. So give that to you all. Um, you can check out the gram for me using it, how I used it. And it was so easy. I imagine you could take like four or five, six, you could make some wild contraptions with these. I imagine you could do a fitness class out there. And obviously if it's done appropriately and set up properly, you could have banded rows and you could have all these other things out there. I did some banded overhead press. Heck, you could just bring PVC pipes with you and attach the bands to it. Again, the options are endless. The limits are limitless. It's just up to you and your creative mind and do it in a safe way. So I loved it. It was awesome. Really cool. Big fan of that. Shout out to Stefan Olsling. Uh, this fabulous. Well done. He's the one who recommended me to try it out. So next aspect I want to talk about is how to get started with an athlete. And I think this is an important one because more times than not, no one teaches us this. Teaches us, oh, you got to do an assessment, an evaluation, make sure they're not hurt, make sure their injury history, blah, 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 blah. Talk about all this stuff. And you've probably heard that all before. But one thing we don't learn very well, as I didn't learn, I wasn't taught, and I wish I did, was no one ever asks the athlete what they want to do. I have found one of the most important things when getting started with a client, specifically an athlete, is to understand the athlete. What are their goals? How do they move? It's a basketball player. How do they shoot? What do they determine as success? Where are they trying to get currently? The more you understand about what that client wants, that athlete wants, what they are trying to achieve, what goals they're trying to achieve, what skills they're trying to develop, where they want to go with their career, the better you can actually help them get there. So if an athlete came to me a day and said, hey, Max, can you give me a workout? My answer would be no. Unless you want to tell me what you want to do, I don't know anything about you. 
and I could do an arbitrary assessment. I could make sure that you're physically okay to work out, which a lot of those assessments are meant to be, but I need to understand what you're actually trying to get out of working out. Because in all honesty, some athletes might benefit more from just playing their sport or working on their skills than lifting weights. And the more we can try and look at how an athlete operates, well, the better we can help them. And then what's better than asking them, the athlete, ask the athlete, talk to the athlete, let them make this process a collaborative process. An initial intake should not just be me imposing my assessments upon an athlete. Oh, you're this, you're that, you're this. Cool. We can point out arbitrary facts about an athletic profile to the end of time. We can point out a million things. Your left leg is weaker than your right leg. Your rotations on the right side is less than your left side. Your overhead reach is that. Your wingspan is this. You jump this way. You sprint this way. You shuffle this way. But not all factors are of equal importance. If they're trying to achieve a certain level of success, and we're assuming all factors that we are assessing are not directly related to injury in a causal factor that is if, uh, if we ignore them, we're in trouble. We're going to assume we're just specifically talking about um, performance. Well, not all factors are going to be important for performance. I could make an athlete the fastest athlete there is, and it might not help them at their performance if that person's a shot putter. So not all qualities are of equal significance unless you understand the significance of the qualities for that athlete and their skill. That's a really important distinction. We need to understand why an athlete is trying to do what they're trying to do. And the example I give, the really exa easy example, I tell all my athletes, I said, look, imagine this. You have a little kid who wants to shoot a basketball in a hoop. You guys have probably heard this example if you've heard me speak before. And that hoop is 10 feet tall and this kid is six years old. And they are hucking it up there with two hands. You can teach them to the end of time, shoot with one hand, shoot with better form, but they physically cannot shoot with better form because they are not strong enough. So in this situation, their goal is to become a better shooter with proper form. We need to get them stronger so they can express the skill. The strength sets the foundation for the expression of a skill. Strength in isolation doesn't really do anything. So if you understand the skill they're working to express, we can understand the subset of physiological needs, prerequisites for that skill. And if they are lacking, then we know we can develop those prerequisites to help achieve that skill. Maybe they have the prerequisites. They just need to work on the neurological aspect of the skill itself. Think about that. So when you get started with an athlete, three quick things. One, ask them what they are trying to actually achieve. What are their goals? Two, making sure it's a collaborative process throughout the process. Not a one-time deal, I want their opinion. It's a full-time deal. And three, understand that as they get stronger and they access these new skills, there are going to be new skills to be acquired, required or acquired, I should say, and new physical traits needed. So it's not like this one-time intake is the only time intake. You're going to be doing this constantly throughout the process as they develop. So getting that, you know, off the bat saying, look, we're going to be doing this as a process, which has continuity to it. They begin to understand the process because ultimately if they had my knowledge and their brain and their sporting brain, they wouldn't need me. So I'm merely a resource that they use. They tap into, they get ideas from, I am not the person who imposes what skills they need to develop 
because they know better than I do. And lastly, I'll end it with this. This is kind of on topic too. I get really frustrated with motivational stuff. Motivational stuff drives me crazy. You're motivated enough to do something, but not motivated enough to do that thing with a plan, with research, with skill and timing. So what I mean by that is so often you see on social media, oh, rah, 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 wake up early, do this, do that, get motivated, get motivated, get motivated, do something, do something, outgrind them. Do you really think Google wakes up early in the morning to outgrind Apple? Or do you think they're actually going to compete with Apple with having a strategic game plan, analyzing their resources, constantly um, making small adjustments to the plan, assessing the plan, doing the research to develop new unique aspects and qualities? They're not just waking up at 5 a.m. and be motivated as the F, right? They're not like, yeah, I'm going to wake up super early and be tired all day. So why the best businesses in the world aren't waking up and just grinding and motivating, but they're motivated enough to actually do the research (laughs) to take a step back. That's what we should be thinking about. Motivation isn't just to try really hard. Motivation can be a spark. It can be a fuel source to drive action, not arbitrary action, but calculated action. Sometimes you've got to be motivated enough to realize that your motivation to just perform arbitrary actions, not intelligent, but your motivation should drive intelligent action. Do the research, collect the evidence, find a way to get better at being better. So that's what I'll leave it at here today. As always, thank you for listening to this wonderful show. I assume you're all friends of the show for tuning in. And next week, I'll share with you some more thoughts, ideas, update you on what I think of Top Gun numero two. As always, thank you. Take care. I hope you enjoy and appreciate y'all. Peace.